Hello and welcome to Mortgage Insider from Barclays, the podcast series that delves into the biggest challenges facing the mortgage breaking industry. I'm Claire McPhail, a business development manager in the South East. And I'm Tony Rimmer, a business development manager from the North West. And in this episode, we're trying to understand more about first-time buyers. We spoke to a range of first-time buyers to learn more about the challenges they face. Hello, I'm Jade. I'm 30 and I'm a first-time buyer in London. I've just exchanged and I'm hopefully going to be completing in a few weeks when my new build flat is ready. When I first started the process, I had absolutely no idea about mortgages. The only word I really understood was mortgage. I had no idea that the process would take so long. I found my mortgage broker amazing. I think what was so helpful for me was being kept in the loop um, and the transparency with which he kind of kept me informed of timeframes and what was going on. Hi there, my name's Ayo, I'm 23 years old and I work and live in London and I just wanted to quickly share my thoughts as someone who's looking to be a single first-hand buyer. So firstly I would say that the pandemic has definitely enabled me to save my money a lot quicker than I would have otherwise. However on the flip side I definitely do think my preference has changed a bit in terms of my first property and what I want. Before the pandemic, I was pretty keen on getting the place that was, you know, as close to London as possible. However, now, given that I've worked from home for about a year um, and I'm going to continue to work from home over the next few months, I definitely question whether I should maybe just move out a bit, you know, further from the centre of London and maybe get a nicer looking place where there's more space where I can work from home. Hi, I'm Abigail, I'm 33 and I recently bought my house in Southend. My experience as a first-time buyer started fairly calm and then became extremely stressful, being honest. I found it tricky to understand the process. I felt quite out of control at times. Um, I think with having so many different people involved in the process too, like mortgage brokers, all the estate agents, all the solicitors, sometimes the lines of communication between them was also not clear and I felt quite left in the dark about what was going on. The things I didn't know beforehand, which I know now, is mainly the terminology used, I'd say. I had no idea what completion meant, what exchange meant, and the process even behind those, I had no idea literally how how anything worked. Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm 47 and we've just brought a property uh, just southwest of Reading. The experience was exceptionally stressful due to a combination of giving the seller my phone number. So she was constantly pestering me on WhatsApp. She was she made the whole thing exceptionally stressful. And also because we chose a, we wanted to try and save some money because we were putting all of our money into the deposit. And we went with an online solicitor rather than a high street one because it was a fraction of the price. And the result of that was that the solicitor wasn't available when we wanted them to be. And we couldn't get hold of them half the time. Nothing moved for weeks. But the bottom line is we did complete on time when we should have done. But we exchanged a week late. So the views there from some first time buyers. We spoke to Dan Hegarty, founder of Abito, who did his best to keep his children quiet during the recording of the podcast, and property developer Carl Mattison, also known as that property guy on TikTok. Hi, Dan. Hi, Carl. Thanks for joining us today. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hiya. No worries. Hiya. Yes, hi, Dan. Hi, Carl. I have to say I've been really looking forward to, uh, to this episode. 
and, and gaining some more insight into your own individual successes. So if it's okay, we'll jump straight in with the first question. And it's, it's for both of you, really. So can, can you tell me about your journey and, and working in the property market? Perhaps we can come to yourself first, Dan, on that one. Sure. Um, so yeah, so my my sort of yeah journey into this dark and complex world uh, was about started about six seven years ago uh, when I was buying my or trying to buy my, my first home as a as a first time buyer, um, and I was buying a house in London. I've been working in tech for about seven years, um, and I had this sort of like comically terrible experience where I, I went with a, a mortgage broker. The mortgage broker submitted my application to one of the one of the retail banks, um, but accidentally on the application put me, my partner, and my partner again. Um, and so about a week later, my, uh, my application was declined. And uh, after that, obviously, I got a bit upset because the sellers were getting anxious. So he went back and he took me off the application, but just left my partner and my partner, uh, which then took like another 10 days to get figured out. And, and actually, like sort of, sort of funny in retrospect, but the house, the sale really came very close to falling apart. And um, the sellers got super nervous. They thought that we weren't credit worthy and, and so on. Um, and I guess I was really struck as you know someone who'd been working in financial services and in tech for for a few years at that point, um, but quite the level of kind of confusion and disempowerment that I felt in the home buying process. So, to be honest, like from a pretty naive place, um, I, I was kind of struck that there must be an opportunity to to do this better, um, and so sort of set about talking to lenders, talking to brokers, talking to customers, talking to the regulator um, about what a, a sort of better way of getting a mortgage might look like, um, and Habito was was born. Thanks, Dan. And Carl, yourself, can perhaps you can give us some insight into your own journey within the market? So my, my journey, I guess, started four or five years ago when I was, again, a first-time buyer, a bit like Dan. Growing up um, in sort of South London, I quickly realised that I wasn't going to be able to buy my first property anytime soon. So I relocated to Portsmouth on the South Coast, bought my first flat. Along the way, I sort of picked up bits and pieces of the house buying process from mortgages through to solicitors, the legal side. And yeah, I in a way, I kind of it interested me. I got involved in a bit of DIY in my first house or flat, I should say, made a bit of money in it within a, a year. I, I, hesitant to say quite easily, but I think I was quite fortunate in the sense that I bought a property that uh, that was undervalued. And it sort of grew from there. So I've now, I've sold that property and, and I bought a, another house that needed a lot of work doing to it. So I was a, I lived in it and renovated it and I've ended up renting that property out. And it snowballed over the last four or so years to the point where during the first lockdown, lockdown um, I'm sure we all probably had a lot of time to, to think and do different things and try different things. So I decided to take a bit of a leap onto TikTok. I had no idea what it was. Um, still don't to some extent. And yeah, I, it's not quite overnight, but I, what is it, six, seven months later, maybe a bit, bit longer than that now, um, sitting comfort, comfortably at around about 180,000 followers and basically just documenting my journey, really. So I think what, what I set out to do was provide some value to first time buyers, highlight my experiences, uh, what I've learned, some of the pitfalls, and basically just to be sort of that that reassuring body, if you like, to, that, there, that it isn't all complicated, that there is someone there who you can talk to and ask advice and those sort of things. Thanks, Carl. That's really interesting. And Dan, I had a little look at your Habito brand, which is really catchy. How sort of you mentioned that you've come from a tech background. Um, how did you shape, decide what the Habito brand was going to look and sound like? 
Yeah, I mean, we did a lot of thinking about the kind of the, the emotional context of people buying a home. And I think, I think there's two, two forces at work. One, one is that buying a house is like mechanically incredibly complicated. Mortgages are complex, conveyancing is complex, survey is complex. Um, but I think that's made much worse by the kind of the emotional weight of buying a home. And you sort of project your family into the bedrooms and imagine this life that you're going to lead there. Um, and so the more time we spent talking to customers, the more the more we realized that actually it was, it was a pretty emotional response they were having to the difficulties they faced in buying a home. Um, so when we started thinking about the brand, we wanted to try and find a way to, to speak directly to that kind of emotional reality. So I, I don't know if you've seen any of our adverts. They're a little bit peculiar. They're often people being sort of like beheaded or disemboweled by mortgages um, <laughs> or, um, and we're all drowning in their own sweat from the stress. Um, and really we were trying to find a, like a sort of a striking and I guess funny way of kind of like Bringing a bringing a narrative to like those quite serious emotions, um, and we found and we sort of we, we we were sort of quite playful in the early stages, and we found that it really worked. It really resonated, and and the sort of the, as time went on and we lent more into that, uh, we we just kept growing, so we kept doing it. Wonderful, and and Kyle, looking at um, your audience, perhaps within the the social media side that, that has, has developed over the last few months, can can you sort of describe that? Um, for our listeners, is it is it mainly younger people wanting to know and following your footsteps, or is it sort of across the range people, you know, looking at the house buying process? Yeah, it's a good question. I'd say um, if you're looking at percentages, maybe I'd say probably sixty to seventy percent are probably it's a split. I'd say between first time buyers and people looking to invest in property. But those the, the queries and questions that I get sort of range from the basic question of what is a mortgage through to what loan to value should I be looking at? Would you get a uh, interest only or a repayment? Right the way through to sort of the funding and what career should I take if I want to invest in property? Or again, asking who who, who they should go to for a, for a mortgage broker. I do get that question a little bit as well. So um, yeah, there's, there's a hu- there's a huge scope of questions that I get from a variety of different people. And Dan, you're for yours. So you're. You're advertising as such, you can imagine appealing to, to young people. But are you finding that you've got a whole range of um, clients that are coming to you from from the way that you market your your business? Yeah, actually, like it's sort of if you sort of look at us demographically, we look much like the sort of home buying population across the country. And we started in our early in our early days, we we did a fair bit of uh, tube advertising in London, which actually kind of works pretty well because obviously there's lots of people commuting in and out of London seeing those adverts. Um, but as we've grown, actually, television has been the main the main channel for us. And uh, I think it allows us to sort of do more and be more expressive and reach more people. Um, so yeah, it's a lot, lots of television advertising, and yeah, I mean, our average customer is uh, about thirty-nine years old, so similar to the average mortgage mortgage holder. Fantastic. And, and looking at and, and perhaps getting in down to the actual buyers now, is there such a thing as an average first-time buyer, and ha- has that changed in any way over that over the last twelve months? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So no, I look, I think there is. I think there's a big cohort of, of customers um, who feel largely excluded from the housing market due to you know the increases in house prices over the last 20 years and the sort of the probably appropriate increases in the stringency of affordability checking since the, the financial crisis. So I think I think there's a lot of people who feel like they're they're on the outside looking in. 
I think since COVID, it's been it's been interesting. We've seen some some interesting patterns where, as you say, you know, some first time buyers might have moved back in with parents, might have been sort of saving more than they would have because less access to the pub and to whatever else, and so actually are now sort of re-entering the market with uh, larger deposits and perhaps better options open to them. But I think I think the commonalities that we find are, you know, consumers tend to be like pretty uh, how should I say like um, intimidated. Uh, by the language around mortgages and the complexity of the process. Um, and so the only thing that's common to, to every first-time buyer that we meet is that there's some, some explanation that's normally required in order to sort of like situate them in the process that they're trying to, trying to get through. Yeah, th- I think we sort of underestimate, don't we, how, you know, linking back to what you said before around your journey. I mean, I've, I, both myself and Claire, have probably been in the industry for circa 50 years. I mean, I certainly started in the industry 30 years ago, and it seems such a long time. And I guess you forget so much just about how people need that confidence, don't they, coming into the house buying process and buying for the first time. And I think you've even said, you know, just simple terms around repayment and interest only was mentioned, I think, by Carl before, you know, it's given them that confidence, as I said. But what, what do you think are the biggest hurdles then for first time buyers when when they're coming into the market yeah i think it's i think it's those two things principally one is the jargon so the svrs the ltvs the ERCs, and just a, a general lack of comprehension about about what they're what they're being asked to engage in and i think the, the other big one is deposit right like these you know with the average house price in london sort of you know i think now topping half a million pounds you know and on average you're needing a 10 percent deposit and the stamp duty like you know it's just it's an unrealistic amount of money for most young people unless they're lucky enough to have some help from their parents so you know obviously we've seen a huge increase of that over the last 10 years um and i don't anticipate that's going to be going away anytime soon so you know really we see our role as like offering great advice trying to do the best we can to sort of just demystify the jargon unfortunately we can't help them with the deposit quite yet (laughs) not yet and Kyle, for you, have you seen any hurdles specifically for first-time buyers that, that you've come across a, a theme maybe? Yeah, I would agree with Dan in, in the sense that there is there are general questions around, around the jargon, uh, acronyms uh, that people don't understand. But I, I think sort of maybe broader than that, I'd say it's almost the roadmap of buying a property. It's, it's the stepping stones to, from, from uh, the point of understanding your affordability, uh, as I think I said as earlier, um, through to getting your keys. Anecdotally, I when I first bought my my first property, I started viewing properties in London prior to getting an understanding of my affordability, which was completely the wrong way around. And I would estimate that I'm not the first person to do that. And judging from the the questions that I get, I'm not the first person to do that. Um, and yeah, I think that it, it is it is the jargon. It's the but I think wider than that, it's the, it's the definitions of and actually understanding. Uh, what are the the principal elements of buying a property? Um, you're not taught these things at school. There isn't, as I say, there isn't a one stop. It's it's where do you go to find out the this information? That's that's predominantly the question I'd say that I get the most. Where do I go to understand X, Y, Z? And and I suppose what would be good for both of you is just to understand. So for you, Carl, use TikTok to to help talk to your clients or your market do you use tiktok as well to help educate them so do you use that to actually tell them some of the information that they need to know or do you wait until they've come to you absolutely yeah i think i try i try to draw themes from the questions that i get and and with the way that the tiktok as a platform works it enables the sort of the two-way interaction between 
the viewer and the creator, unlike many other apps, because you can directly respond to a comment with a video um, and it's instantaneous. It's quite personal as well. So yes, I would say I'm steered by questions that I get, but also where I bought quite recently and I have, as I say, in the back of my mind, sort of these things rattling around that I've managed to find answers to myself. I try to address those and normally they're the, they're the videos that do very well and they, they, they get good engagement. But yeah, I would say it's a two-way, it's a two-way thing. Yeah. And is it the same for you, Dan, with, with the way that you guys are different maybe to, to other companies that are out there? Yeah, I mean, so we, we generate like a huge amount of content around us, you know, the, as, as Carl puts it, the roadmap to, to home ownership around mortgages specifically. We also provide, you know, real-time live chat um, advice 24-7 uh, to customers who come to the website. One one quite interesting thing that we did and we spent quite a lot of time on was we um, when we asked customers, uh, sort of three three out of five of them said that they were put off switching or remortgaging because of all of the, the jargon uh, related to the mortgage. So what we decided to do was try and go through all of our terms and conditions, uh, which at the moment I think you need a reading, reading age of 18 in order to understand. And even that seems a bit generous because T's and C's are pretty complex. Um, and we, we worked with a fair finance who are a body who kind of like stamp her you know, the, the legibility and comprehensibility of documentation. Uh, and we created the first set of mortgage terms and conditions that could be understood by an 11 year old, um, which took us about a year to do, but we were pretty proud of. Um, I'm still not certain how many customers read those terms and conditions, but we feel like anything that we can do to demystify, to remove jargon and to give customers access to good quality advice has got to be a good thing. Yeah. And that's why they don't get read, isn't it? Because they are too complex, as you rightly say. So, yeah. Yeah, too long, too too complex, aren't they? I think just, just taking that a step further, Dan, I mean, obviously, with Habito, uh, you've, you've differentiated yourself from the market. But if we looked at the traditional mortgage brokers, how, how well would you say traditional brokers do at bridging the gap from, from what we talked about today and, and you know being able to provide the right advice to, to some of the first-time buyers in, in that market space? Yeah, listen, I don't think anyone's ever gone out of the way to do a bad job, right? I think it's, um, and you know, like any market, I think there's some extraordinary people doing brilliant work, like educating first-time buyers on the journey, and probably some others who are doing a less great job. I think, I think the truth is that anything that's as important as home ownership to people individually, to the economy, like just it kind of gathers a lot of complexity over a long time. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it comes down to the individual. I think some people are kind of, you know, like Kyle, are, are gifted educators who can make things simple and accessible for people. I think others, I think it's a danger of sometimes being in the industry for too long um, could find it harder to explain things because you get so used to, you know, and it's starting to happen to me, which really freaks me out. Like you get used to the parlance and the jargon and before you know it, like you're talking about remos and, <laughs> and whatever else and you're in a bad place. <laughs> Yeah, and what, what about yourself, Carl? What's your thoughts on on sort of because because you've come in again relatively new um, into the marketplace, and, and and your experiences probably weren't great from from the offset. But from that traditional mortgage broker perspective, what what's what's your thinking behind perhaps what traditional mortgage brokers need to start to look to do differently? Yeah, so um, I think I've mentioned I am a, I'm a big advocate for uh, online mortgage brokers. I, I put that on my channels quite a lot. I think there's a, a lot of value in getting a mortgage broker who not, doesn't necessarily charge a fee. I think sometimes people can sort of go blindly into going down the route of a traditional um, mortgage broker and paying over the odds for advice when actually there are companies around like Habito and a few others that won't charge for the sort of the handholding process. So I think that's almost the, the, the added value that a, that a modern day broker can add. And that sounds like 
they are adding. And and I, I do try to advise that, or, or not advise, but I try to give my opinion that, that you shouldn't just be looking at a, a local broker or a friend just because they're your friend, because there probably is someone who sort of knows what they're talking about and isn't necessarily going to charge you as well, which is a big one for a lot of people that follow me. Thanks, Carl. Well, Dan, I'm really interested. We've we've had a few of these on podcasts previously talking about how our brokers have had to go on a journey because a lot of our brokers have been around a while and aren't so used to all the tech side of things and it's been new to them using Zoom and things like that. For yourselves, where that is always has always been your platform, it'd be really interesting to to know how you guys have built up rapport with your clients and you know how you get that connection straight away because that's all you've been used to. Yes, I mean it's interesting. So we we kind of take a view um, that there are some things that machines are really good at. So machines are really good at like calculating interest and having all of the affordability calculators and the credit policies of all the lenders. Like no no human should have to memorize a hundred credit policies. Like that's not that's in, that's inhumane. Um, but machines are not brilliant um, at kind of being empathetic or creating like a, a bond quickly. Um, but I actually think that that has very little to do with the medium, right? Like you can have a great relationship over WhatsApp. I'm sure Carl's watches on TikTok feel connected with him. And I think it actually, like it really boils down to like what, what the intention is. Like, you know, are you, are you actually trying to help or are you just trying to sell them something they don't need? Um, and B, do you follow through on your actions? Um, so that's that's the core thing for us. And again, like just being really precise about what we can do for you, when we're going to do it, how we're going to go about doing it, um, and making sure that the sort of the, the human mortgage advisors that we have in the business are really just saved for those particular, either particularly complex cases or for really just building that kind of human connection with customers at these points of like maximum stress in their lives. Um, that's that, that's how we've kind of we've we've worked it since day one and, and continue to work it. Thank you. And the last question that we're going to cover off today, which would be for both of you, really, I suppose, Carl, for you first, if you were a first time buyer again, would you have done something differently? Oh, very good question. Um, Yes, I think, I mean, it's the beauty of hindsight, isn't it? I think I would have done a lot more research up front. I think I have a tendency, personally, to to sort of rush into things or, or Maybe people perceive that, that I'm rushing into things without sort of assessing uh, sort of the situation. So I think they, they, it could have been that, um, yes, I probably would have spoken to a mortgage broker first um, rather than researching properties to actually understand, look, there's no point going to a viewing in a flat in, in Croydon when you can only afford uh, a one-bedroom flat somewhere up north or down on the south coast, which ended up being a, a, the truth for, for myself. So, yeah, there, there's, there was a steep learning curve. So I would, if I could speak to my younger self, it would be, yeah, speak to a mortgage advisor um, before you do your research. Um, and yeah, don't be, I think don't be afraid to sort of just reach out. That there's, there's plenty of people who've been through the process. Almost everyone at some point in their life will, go, will be a first-time buyer, um, plenty of which will have already bought their first home, including sort of parents, family, friends. Um, but sort of typical stubborn me, you know, I've sort of bulldozed my way through. But I think, yeah, don't be too proud to ask people um, sort of in the profession and even people who aren't in the profession what they what they know and, and sort of, yeah, to give you a helping hand, I think. Thank you. That's really helpful. And for you, Dan? Yeah, I mean, it's probably a bit of a lazy answer, but I definitely would have used Habito <laughs> had it existed. <laughs> of course. But I guess, again, to Carl's point, I think like the reality is like no one is good at buying and selling houses. 
like most people do it once, twice, three times in their lives. Maybe they get a mortgage four or five times. So like there's, there is no shame at, at being an expert. It, it would be strange if you were an expert at it. So I think, yeah, I think seeking out good help, whether it's online, whether it's family and friends, whether it's wonderful online free mortgage brokers, like there's, there's a huge amount of resources out there uh, for people to seek, seek help from. Thank you. It's really helpful. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us today, you too. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Carl Matteson and Dan Hegarty. The views expressed by our external guests in this podcast are their opinions only and do not reflect the views of Barclays. If there's a subject you'd like us to explore, then please email us at mortgageinsider at acast.com. I'm Claire Fail. And I'm Tony Rimmer. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.